0: Up next at six, it's JR Morning with Guy Gordon, Jamie Edmonds, and Lloyd Jackson. This is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitali. All right. Well, if
1: uh, you're having trouble with your phone this morning, you've either dialing out or you can't get your mobile internet working, I'm having the same problem. I looked it up. Down Detector is saying that AT and T uh, and their more frugal cousin Boost Mobile, like what I have, <laughs> they're they're experiencing some network issues oh, so lovely yeah so Hopefully well that's here's resolved fast yeah I- exactly and and it's, it's it's kind of a plus minus thing here Renee because when my phone's not working I go to down detector and and if I see like a big spike in people reporting that um their phone's not working it's kind of relief because that that means it's not my phone and it's not my problem all I can do is wait but the bad news is all you can do is wait
2: right and given the fact of our jobs, not having good communication is not a good thing.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, you, you got all these people go, going around saying, oh, the 24-hour disconnect challenge or uh, go out to dinner with your friends and the last person, uh, the first person to reach for their phone, they have to pay for dinner. When your phone is down, it's, it's, it's chaos. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolute chaos.
2: I'm sorry. We're, we are reliable on our phones. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so let's see. Uh, is your phone ringing right now? Ooh, it says calling mobile. Is your phone ringing right now, Renee?
2: It is. Oh, Mike Parsons Whoa! calling me. All right,
1: I fixed it, there everybody. It, I fixed it. it. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully it's 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 resolved. But if you are having some issues, um, and you have AT and T Boost, don't fret. You don't have to, uh, take it in today. You just have to sit tight for for them to uh, fix the network. Enjoy the it, silence. It looks like it might be. Yeah. So, well, that's something that probably affected not a lot of people considering it started at four in the morning and it's fixed (laughs) at 5 a.m. So anyway, uh, so. All right. Well, you know, we just finished one Crumbly trial and another one is on the horizon and there was a a preliminary hearing yesterday in Oakland County.
2: Yeah, the judge expected to oversee James Crumbly's involuntary manslaughter trial, elected to allow the former owner of the weapon used in the Oxford High School shooting to testify during the defendant's upcoming trial. So the prosecution sought to allow two victims of the shooting as witnesses as well, arguing Wednesday during a motion hearing that they were relevant to proving their case and offered elements that video footage of the incident could not. The defense refuted the relevance, adding that descriptions of the shooting would inflame the passions of the jury during the trial. Judge Cheryl Matthews will make a decision on their testimony at a later point. The witness list, not the only outstanding issue that must be resolved before jury selection, which by the way, that's scheduled for March 5th. Crumbley also argued through his attorney that a change of venue was needed in order to have a fair trial due to his wife's highly publicized trial. Earlier this month, saying that it's going to be tough to find an impartial jury based on the coverage. Writing in a court filing that they have been clearly convicted in the court of public opinion. That issue did not come up during Wednesday's hearing, though.
1: Yeah, and and another reason that the prosecution wanted to call two different students who were involved in the shooting uh, because they thought that maybe having people who've already testified at the Jennifer Crumley trial testify a second time might be too emotionally taxing for them. Which you can really understand. And um, another uh, another uh, motion that was filed by James Crumley's defense team: they want to not allow their son's journal entries or text messages messages to be entered into evidence if the shooter refuses to testify. They say that uh, if they're going to enter that, then the shooter needs to be cross examined. Obviously, the shooter has decided not to testify because he feels like it would hurt his appeal for his life sentence um so yeah um i i I thought that the change of venue was going to come up but it sounds like the vast majority of these um these these decisions these motions are going to be um uh decided sometime between now and march 5th
2: boy this one is definitely for the textbooks on so many levels
1: yeah and you know, the, the only precedent for this is his wife's conviction that right. happened earlier this month. So I'm sure that obviously it's it's not as historic and as precedent-setting as Jennifer Crumbly's, but I'm sure there's still going to be a lot of interest um, by, by both historians and uh, legal precedent watchers yeah, on this. Yeah, just
2: the whole situation. The situation as a whole.
1: Yeah, and, you know, hopefully we get— I don't want to say get this over with because the people who've lost children, it'll never be over with. Right. But but hopefully this 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 continues to help on the path towards justice. The Biden administration, they signed an executive order on cybersecurity in America's ports over concerns of Chinese surveillance and cyber attacks. The order aims to harden critical port infrastructure as well as require reporting of all maritime cyber attacks to Coast Guard Cyber Command. The Coast Guard will then share reports with the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, as well as other government agencies after that happens. Uh, This all stems from uh, back in 2023, U.S. defense officials said they were worried that a Chinese ship-to-shore crane company that they used to move freight around at these ports could be used as a spying tool. So those are going to be replaced. That's going to uh, cost a pretty penny. Uh, $5.4 trillion pass through U.S. ports of entry every year um, and, and you you wonder if this is going to uh, be a pivot to more american-made infrastructure and machinery being used at these uh, ports. Not a bad Jop- idea, yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. if 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 we think that they're using these cranes to spy on us with, what else <laughs> are they using to spy on us with? and and plus, you know, bring, bringing some of that manufacturing back to the United States is never right. a bad idea. Right.
2: Well, you know what else I thought was interesting is there's no set of nationwide standards that govern how operators should protect against potential attacks online. How is that not a thing? Again, we we see we seem like we're 20,
1: 30 years behind a lot of <laughs> a, lot, a, a lot of Internet policies and legislation. I
2: read that. I went, huh? <laughs>
1: Joe okay. Biden is also, yeah, right, exactly. Let, let's let's get it together. Okay, this AI thing's coming up pretty fast. Let let let's wrap up these this getting a handle on this internet thing and then right. move on to AI quick. The internet's new, uh, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> relatively, but right. Uh, but yeah, it, it's time. Uh, and, and Joe Biden is also considering executive action to restrict migrants' ability to seek asylum, after Congress have, has not been able to pass any reform themselves. Uh, there's no details being released just yet. And yesterday, Joe Biden, uh, he took another step in relieving some student uh, Student loan debt.
2: Yeah, he announced that uh, his administration would forgive $1.2 billion in student loan debt for 153,000 borrowers who enrolled and are eligible for shortened forgiveness under the income based saving on a valuable education plan. So eligible participants must have made at least 10 years of payments after having taken out federal loans of $12,000 or less for college. Borrowers with balances of more than $12,000 may also be eligible once they've made another year's worth of payments for every $1,000 over the $12,000 limit. Those who are eligible will receive emails from the administration and won't have to take any more action to get their benefits. Loan servicers will process their discharge loans automatically.
1: Uh, and I did not get that email yet, Oh,
2: hang on, buddy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'll pay it, I'll pay it. <laughs> you know, all right. Uh, we got people screaming at their the radios. I mean, pay your student loans! I am! Okay.
2: He is. I hear but him grip about it every month. Trust me,
1: he is. But if, <laughs> but, but if somebody wants to uh, tell me I don't have to pay him, uh, you know, I'm not going to. I I'm not this. You're, you're not going to be
2: upset.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not this bastion of integrity where I'll say no, no, no. Uh, you tell me I don't have to pay this bill. Let me pay it. Right. Uh, a lot of drama in, in the Michigan Republican Party still. Uh, They plan on holding dueling conventions on March 2nd. The Christina Karamo wing wing of the party, they'll hold theirs in Detroit. The Pete Hoekstra wing will hold theirs in Grand Rapids. Of course, you remember Christina Karamo. She was voted out of her leadership role as the head of the Michigan GOP. Pete Hoekstra was voted in, uh, in her place, but Christina Karamo says she is still legally the chairwoman of the michigan republican party even though both the national committee recognizes pete hoekstra as well as uh president donald trump backing him so i don't know i don't know who gets the votes i don't know uh which i i I mean in a way i i guess the fact that donald trump is the clear uh, and and far away front runner here makes this a little less complicated but could you imagine if this was a tight race and, and, you know, each faction nominated someone else who would get the votes?
2: Right. Exactly. This, this all sounds so very productive.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, here's the other thing too. Let's say, let's say everyone shows up to the Grand Rapids Pete hoaxer convention and the Christina Caramo Detroit convention is, is very sparsely attended. At that point, do you just say, okay, well, People are voting with their feet, literally. Um, the The convention in Grand Rapids was much bigger. Uh, I, you know, I, I guess this is over. I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting to see who, which one will be more attended. I'm guessing it's going to be the Grand Rapids one, and and, and maybe that will be, yeah, and maybe that'll be the final determinant. I don't know. It's a complete mess. All right. It's first thing. Mike Parsons for Navy WJR. Joined by Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie heading into Jr. Morning. And some bittersweet, sweet news. Um, and I missed this announcement last spring. But uh, last April, GM announced that it is going to build a plant on the site of the former Palace of Auburn Hills um, for the Chevy Silverado EV pickup. And they they announced today or last night that they will begin breaking ground on that in the summer and guy lloyd jamie you know here's i love the palace of auburn hills i really wish that they would have been able to find a use for it but with that being said i'm glad that they they are are finding a use for the land here and it's not just sitting there vacant yeah
0: well it's going to be great i mean for auburn hills tax base everything like that it's still going to be great but you're Mm -hmm. right that's that was such a great building and there's so many great memories in there i mean we all loved wow. the show too, but, yeah. uh, but it was pretty rundown. It was kind of palace. From still the get it from was, the get up. you know. They had yeah.
3: just
2: made the, all the improvements. It was nice, <laughs> right?
0: And it was like state of the art, and it just it still was kind of state of yeah. the art. Yeah. Does everybody
2: know? remember their last event that they attended?
0: Oh man, I think it was a Seeger concert for me.
2: Pistons. Yeah, I think,
0: think who it was for I- me. It was, was a concert. Say. I know it was a concert. I just can't remember who it was. Mine was T- yeah. Tim
2: McGraw and Faith Hill.
0: And I'd have been. Uh, oh, yeah. It was a good show. I saw Shania there too in oh. the round. Uh, man, I think it was Mariah Carey for me. I think that was the last wow. one I saw. Wow. I yeah, I think
1: mine. I think mine was like pre two thousand seven. So I hadn't been there in a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, I'll always remember that giant inflatable snake that the Detroit vipers used to skate on <laughs> right, out of. Right. I would always, Never forget. I would always get... <laughs> right. right. Rest in peace. Viper is <laughs> probably in some storage room right now, but uh, I, yeah, I'd always get free tickets to that and Cub scouts and we'd always go to Dippin' Dots and yeah, it, I, I mean, yeah, like, like you guys were saying, it was still a state of the art facility when they closed it down, but um, now it's going to be used and, You know, the palace itself never really kind of generated sort of that that mall effect where where bars and restaurants would would pop up around there. Could you walk out
0: into cement and got into your car and drove off? It was no walk, you know, walking around. It wasn't walkable. You know, you just got into your car and took off.
1: Right. There's that bar across the street that 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 changed ownership all the time. So hopefully, yeah, it was the post. And then it was like a million. It was called Hoops for a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, so so maybe now that I think it's at a thousand jobs, may, maybe it'll have a little bit more of that effect because people are going to need to go out for lunch and, and all that stuff. So uh, best of luck to both GM and and the city of Auburn Hills for that. Yeah, Uh, Renee, you've got a pretty interesting lawsuit. Someone is trying to sue the lottery. Yeah.
2: Let me ask you guys how oh, angry you,
0: story.
1: you would be this.
2: if this happened on a scale from one to. 10, I'm, calling <laughs> <Yeah. million. laughs> one, I'm calling my lawyer. One to $340 I'm calling my lawyer. Right, exactly. In January of last year, a guy in D.C. named John Cheeks, he bought a Powerball ticket. Then he checked the winning numbers online a day after the drawing, and they matched. The jackpot was $340 million. And he did all the things that you're supposed to, took a photo of the ticket, told one person, and that's it. But then he went to cash it, and he was told that he hadn't actually won because Washington, D.C.'s official lottery site had posted the wrong flipping numbers. Yeah. So instead of matching all five and the Powerball, he'd match none. Zero. (laughs) So he's in the news now because he's suing Powerball and the D.C. Lottery. He says that they listed the wrong numbers for three days and he wants them to pay up. And his lawyer noted a similar thing happening last year when the Iowa lottery reported bad numbers and people who cashed in before that error uh, were paid out but no one hit the jackpot. So all the payouts were between $4 and $200. Uh, It doesn't sound like he's expecting the full $340 million, but maybe something, right? My emotional distress. Emotional distress. Heck yeah, I'd be playing that card.
0: Because, you know, luckily he didn't go to his job and tell his boss to do something with it.
3: (laughs) Right.
0: Because now I don't have a job. Thank (laughs) the Lord.
2: Take this job and shove it?
3: He's playing a game, and he did not win the game. The problem for the lottery is that other case in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: Well, and and they posted some tests on a test site. They posted numbers on a test site or something, and, and those numbers got mixed up with the real numbers. So yeah. you know, it's, see, they 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 have some fault in this too. The lottery has some fault in this yeah. too. So let's just mitigate this. You don't give them three forty, but you give them something. Patsies.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, if they you know, gave I him like they, a million bucks, a million dollars. Yeah, I mean,
4: come on. Yeah, oh, give him a a some bucket.
0: free tickets and send him on his way. Some free
1: scratch offs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Innocent and, and, mistake. A Twenty dollars value. Yeah, well, okay. number one, condolences on having to go through life with the last name of Cheeks. I'm sure was terrible. <laughs> Michael, but I mean, here's the thing. I, <laughs> I think he I, I would say a million because, you know, they did screw up and they did make him think that he won a lot of a lot of money and it might have had disastrous consequences. So I agree. Give him a million um, and stay tuned for Jr. Morning coming up. James Crumbly, father of the Oxford High School shooter, was in court yesterday where his defense team was expected to ask for a change of venue and argue that he couldn't get a fair trial or impartial jury in Oakland County after all the news coverage of the shooting and the trial of his wife, Jennifer Crumbly, who was found guilty on four counts of manslaughter. The issue never came up yesterday. They will, uh, The judge will make a decision on that at a later date. Uh, The prosecution asked to add more witnesses to the witness list, arguing that having the same people who testified in Jennifer Crumbly's trial testify for a second time could be too emotionally traumatizing. The judge did rule that the previous owner of the gun used in the shooting can testify and will make a decision on allowing two students who were shot that day to testify at a later date as well, most likely along with the decision on the change of venue. Um. and as well as a motion that James Crumbly's defense team filed to not allow his son's journal entries or text messages to be entered into the evidence if the shooter refuses to testify. Attorney General Dana Nessel announced criminal charges against two GOP fundraisers yesterday, accusing them of concealing the name of donors to the Unlock Michigan campaign, an organization that fought against COVID lockdowns and restrictions during the pandemic. Heather Lombardini, and Sandy Baxter raised money for Unlock Michigan by donating through two nonprofit organizations that didn't have to disclose their donors before actually giving money um, to Unlock Michigan. Now, if the donors gave directly Unlock Michigan, they would have to be identified. Nestle says that um, these two nonprofits were made specifically with the intent to evade reporting that is required under Machine campaign finance law. Lombardini was charged with three misdemeanor counts of violating the state's campaign fi- finance law and is facing a 14-year felony of uttering and publishing. She signed an affidavit in 2020 saying that Michigan solicited uh, I'm sorry, that says funds solicited through the nonprofit Michigan Citizens for Fiscal Responsibility were not raised to be given to Unlock Michigan, and then they were given to Unlock Michigan. Baxter signed a similar affidavit for the Michigan, My Michigan nonprofit. She's facing 15 years for perjury. Um, Some more student loan relief was handed down and announced yesterday, Renee?
2: Yep, the Biden administration on Wednesday announced that it would forgive $1.2 billion in student loan debt for 153,000 borrowers who enrolled and are eligible for shortened forgiveness under the income-based saving on a valuable education plan. Eligible participants must have made at least 10 years of payments after having taken out federal loans of $12,000 or less for college. Those who are eligible will receive emails from the administration.
1: President Biden told reporters outside the White House that he will announce sanctions against Russia tomorrow over the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny in a Siberian prison north of the Arctic Circle, believed to have been orchestrated by Russian President Vladimir Putin. Earlier this week, U.S.-Russian dual citizen Kasena Karolina, 33-year-old ballet dancer, was arrested in Russia on charges of treason for donating $51 to a Ukrainian charity. She faces up to 20 years in prison, prison, and it's possible that her dual citizenship may work against her because Russia doesn't recognize dual citizenship, which means she may have a harder time getting counselor assistance. Um, U.S. officials are urging any American currently in Russia to leave as soon as they possibly can, which is good advice. There's no way I would be going to Russia as American right now. Uh, So the renderings of these, what is that, Hollywood-style Detroit signs that are going to be posted all over the city have been released, and people are a little concerned. uh, Admittedly, they don't look great in the renderings. However... Um, channel four did a, a, a piece on the shop that's making them. And it's the same shop that made the, um, the, the marquee for the Fox theater. And what I saw on TV, what they're actually working on does look better than what the rendering shows. So I think they will end up looking much better than, than, than what we're seeing in this preview.
2: I sure hope so, because looking at these renderings, they are not Hollywood esque, I'm just going to say it. It's kind of lame. I don't know what's going on here. I don't like, well,
1: them. you know, the rendering, it's like this weird forced perspective and everything's on an angle. I think that, um, you know, if, if, if they're just kind of front facing, I, I think they're going to look fine, but obviously a, a lot of people are kind of roasting them online. I thought this was only going to be on 94. There's going to be like five of these around town.
2: Yeah, there's going to be one at 75 and 8 Mile, 96 at Telegraph, 94 at Maras, Southfield at 8 Mile, and Southfield at Ford Road. You know, I just, they're lame. They could have done so much more to show the the personality of Detroit. Like, why not theme them? A Motown one, a Motor City one, like with gears or something like that. I don't know, a wheel, something more than just these weird letters (laughs)
1: yeah well I mean I'm gonna wait to see them in person but (laughs) like I said the 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 previews of the actual physical letters look better than the the than the renderings okay I'm gonna trust you on this one well I, I mean I can't say for sure but and hopefully they don't become like a you know, uh, like a a a magnet for vandalism in, in graffiti. I and thought stuff, of that so. as
2: well. Let's let's hope that doesn't happen. I'm just saying, is this going to become the um, Detroit version of the Golden Puddle? <laughs> uh,
1: I, I hope not. <laughs> I, I, out in Macomb <laughs> County? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Uh, well, switching gears, uh, we're very excited for tomorrow because it's one of the biggest days here at WJR, Renee.
2: Mike, we are so proud to be a part of this every year. The Salvation Army of Metro Detroit is continuing its fight against hunger and homelessness with its 37th annual Bed and Bread Club Radiothon hosted by us, 760 WJR, starting at 4 o'clock today through 7 p.m. tomorrow. And this is such a critical piece of the puzzle in the Salvation Army's mission to raise funds to fight hunger and homelessness and to tell us more about this important event is Lieutenant Colonel Steve Merrill, Divisional Commander of the Salvation Army Great Lakes Division. Good morning, sir.
4: Good morning, Renee. Nice to be with you.
1: So, Lieutenant Colonel, you know, just talk to us a little bit about the importance of, of the bed and bread program as well as the important, importance of the Radiothon to the program.
4: Yes, exactly. I mean, this is an exciting week uh, here at the Salvation Army. Of course, we love our partnership with uh, 760 WJR. This is the 37th year, as mentioned, yeah. uh, for this Radiothon. Uh, really makes an impact. People call in, donate. Every uh, uh, dollar raised uh, goes directly to people right here in Detroit, right in the metro uh, that are in need today. You know, out right now, needing food. Uh, the Salvation Army is bringing food to you uh, on a daily basis, and so we just appreciate everything that takes place.
2: And, you know, last week, Mike and I were lucky enough to see firsthand some of the work that the Salvation Army does when we rode along on the bed and bread truck. And, you know, one of the things that we learned is that part of the program is more than just distributing food to the hungry. Your team will listen and try to serve other needs besides just food when they're out. Talk about some of the other other needs that are met.
4: Yeah, the Salvation Army has uh, wonderful wraparound services. That's how we term it. Uh, it's more than just uh a hot meal or a bed to sleep in. There's uh, people that can come around you, can help you. Uh, uh, the goal is uh, the immediate need is feeding, clothing, sheltering uh, in many situations. But the goal is to help individuals really to get back on their feet, uh, to become uh um, successful in Detroit and to be part of the community again. And so that's what uh, the Salvation Army attempts to do. Uh, we have caseworkers. We have uh, individuals that can come and make appointments for you, help you get a identification, help you uh, uh, with some job skills, help you with interviews, those types of things uh, to get you back on your feet.
1: And, you know, I was reading your bio a little bit, and, and the Salvation Army is, is really ingrained into your family, aren't uh, isn't it?
4: Well, it is. You know, that's. Uh, I didn't uh, really, uh, wasn't raised with that as my life goal. I had other opportunities, but I uh, was part of the Salvation Army as my church home, and then felt a calling to uh, full-time service in the ministry of the Salvation Army as an officer. I'm ordained then in the Church of the Salvation Army, which many mm-hmm. people don't realize, uh, and it's because of that love that uh, we know we receive from God we want to share that with those that we come in contact with in the community and so uh, oftentimes it's those tangible ministry opportunities you know it's that uh, place safe place to sleep it's that uh, meal uh, that you need uh, at this immediate time in your life uh, so that we can help with other things that are taking place within the household
2: and and how long have you been with the Salvation Army
4: I've been with the Salvation Army all well, my entire life. I've been an officer in the Salvation Army, my wife and I, for 31 years now.
2: I'm sure you've heard some incredible stories, especially comeback stories, because just that uh, little while that Mike and I were on that bed and bread truck, we we met a, a gentleman that was going through the rehab program, and he was. Uh, be, he, it seemed like he was on a successful path, and that has to be so rewarding.
4: Well, it is, and that really is... Um, Yeah, that's uh, what we receive is those uh, success stories, people that have uh, uh, humbly received help and then uh, got back on their feet. And uh, often it's those individuals themselves that uh, you see during the Christmas season, during the Red Kettle campaign, when you hear the bells, people will come up to you at those opportunities, just like when we're serving on the bed and bread trucks, Uh, share a time when... uh, the Salvation Army helped their family, helped somebody in their family, and so they want to also get back.
1: And money and donations, it's not the only way people can get involved and help, is it?
4: No. with uh, Salvation Army uh, relies upon the Army of Volunteers. So we have numerous uh, opportunities throughout the year uh, to volunteer. Uh, one of the places you can find everything you need to know about that is Metrodetroit.org say metrodetroit.org you can go there you can find opportunities to volunteer throughout the year with the Salvation Army
1: well Lieutenant Colonel Steve Merritt the divisional commander of the Salvation Army Great Lakes Division thanks for joining us the radiothon itself actually starts this afternoon at 4 p.m the on-air portion starts uh tomorrow morning 5 a.m I believe uh, you're going be uh you're going to be joining us right Lieutenant Colonel
4: I'm gonna be there. I'll have my uh, mug full of coffee. I'll be ready to go. <laughs> say, we'll all have
1: our coffee and we'll all be ready to go. See you then. See you then. Thank you. And by the way, links to donate are up right now at wjr.com. So I'm, it's up there at 4 p.m. You can go and you can you can start donating. And uh, first thing we get to do is count the overnight do- donations tomorrow or when we when we kick it off at 5 a.m.
2: Oh, that's gonna be exciting.
1: It's First Thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Renee, are you laughing because this is the Pillow Talk theme song? It
2: is. Oh, like, oh, man. Oh, man, I haven't heard this in years.
1: <laughs> For those listening to uh, the podcast, there's no music. But w- what is this, Summer Madness by Cool and the Gang?
2: I don't know. I just know that it was the uh, Pillow Talk song. I I'll, don't even know who that the, sings I'll it. I'll get
0: back to you. I'll, I'll check the list, see what the, the song is.
1: Yeah, it was that song that would come on right before Alan Allman would sign off. He's like, I like you.
2: I love you. (laughs) It's like we're listening to Alan Allman right now. (laughs) Oh
1: my god. What a freaking legend. I know. I miss Alan Allman. Rest in peace. All right. We're breaking four back (laughs) here. All right. Let's get serious. Rest in peace, Alan Allman. The goat, baby. Yep. The United States vetoed a U.N. resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza earlier this week.
2: So why did the U.S. go against the majority of the Security Council and what may be in their counterproposal? Fox News' Jonathan Savage joins JR Morning.
3: As anticipated, the United States has vetoed a resolution at the United Nations calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. That was the Algerian resolution, but they say they have a a competing resolution as they have grown increasingly critical of Israel's conduct in Gaza, especially on this offensive in Rafah in southern Gaza. Let's bring in Jonathan Savage, Fox News radio correspondent and WJR contributor. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. It certainly feels like there's a shift uh, when it comes to the U.S. at the United Nations and a pending resolution, does
5: it not? There is a shift. Uh, The U.S. is not quite on side with much of the rest of the world, uh, but it is moving farther and farther away from the Israeli position as well. Uh, this resolution, put forward by Algeria, demanded an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. In fact, of the 15 members of the UN Security Council, 13 voted in favor. The UK abstained and only the United States voted against. And as a permanent member of the Council, the US has a veto. That means the vote failed to pass. The US resolution. Um, The rival resolution calls on a uh, six-week ceasefire. Uh, It calls on um, a a ceasefire that would allow and pressure Hamas into releasing hostages as part of a a longer-term pathway towards a permanent peace and, in a measure which takes the U.S. certainly away from Israel's position, a commitment towards a two-state solution.
0: How does the the failure to pass the Arab Act uh, resolution, how does it affect the efforts to address the humanitarian crisis in Gaza?
5: I think it does affect efforts. Um, It is seen as being um, potentially a catastrophic situation in Gaza. It's seen as absolutely a catastrophic situation so far that could and certainly uh, may only get worse. Um, Israel currently is planning an um, a, a, a offensive in, in Rafa in southern Gaza, um, and with one and a half million people sheltering there, there are enormous concerns about what that would mean for the civilian population. So the hope was by um, the Algerians and those who supported their resolution would be that this would put a stop to all that, legally binding and prevent Israel from carrying out that assault.
0: Jonathan Savage, the uh, with the Algerian resolution going down uh, with, with a U.S. veto, what are the prospects for the U.S. resolution and, and the, I guess, the middle road six-week partial ceasefire?
5: Yeah, I don't think the the prospects are particularly high um, uh, if this is voted on at the UN Security Council, and there's no timetable even for that yet, you you might expect other permanent members, Russia, China, to to vote against and veto. I mean, we've had very sharp criticism from those countries for the U.S. for vetoing the Algerian resolution. China saying it sent the wrong message and gave a green light to continued slaughter.
0: But the fact that Biden's ambassador is even floating this six-week alternative tells you something about the pressure he's under
5: politically. It probably does, yes. Um, it, it tells you something about, about the pressure he's under internally and externally. Um, the fact is that the U.S. didn't simply say no, no ceasefire, allow Israel to do what it wants. It tells you um, that the, the mood has certainly shifted since the start of this war and, and inside the White House, whether that's based on President Biden and his team's own assessment or affected by the pressure from the outside. Um, to to move away from fully supporting Israel. Um, I think that's a a point for discussion.
3: John Kirby was saying yesterday that they weren't able to support the resolution because it would put sensitive negotiations in peril. They're saying they're still trying to broker a deal between Israel and Hamas to get the hostages out. Do you have any updates on, on this possible deal?
5: Yeah, this deal has been on the table for some weeks now. It was put forward to Hamas. Uh, Hamas came back with their own counter-proposals. Now, um, the U.S. uh, admits that uh, Hamas's uh, conditions, Hamas's counter-proposal, is obviously completely unacceptable to Israel. It has a number of conditions that Israel simply could not accept, including allowing uh, Hamas to continue in the removal of all uh, Israeli troops. Um, So it doesn't appear as though these negotiations are going particularly well. But there's probably um, a feeling within the U.S. government that this is the only, um, the only route that they, they can travel on at this moment.
0: Um, Jonathan, the Navalny death in, in Russia and U.S. now saying they're going to uh, uh, put sanctions against Russia uh, this coming Friday. Uh, why would these, what, what sanctions could they be, and why would these, uh, you know, be more, help more than the others?
5: Yeah, it was interesting. Um, The UK ambassador to the United States was uh, being interviewed by uh, Neil Cavuto uh, on Our World this week. Uh, And she was saying that, you know, people think these sanctions don't do any good, um, but they do um, degrade Russia's ability to prosecute its war in Ukraine. They make it harder for Russia to do that, and they make it harder for Vladimir Putin to uh, spend money on what he wants to spend money on. Also make it harder for Vladimir Putin to travel and go anywhere he wants to go, as well as senior members of his administration. Um, I think we'll have to wait and see exactly what uh, will come of, the, mm-hmm. of these uh, new sanctions later this week. Um, but there will, of course, be a lot of skepticism that they will make any difference, because we have two years Of sanctions uh, on Russia. Its economy is is stumbling along, but it's it's doing better than most people expected. And it's still able to put severe pressure on Ukraine.
3: Uh, Meanwhile, this high profile story of an American ballerina being detained in Russia.
5: Yes, uh, this is something which is obviously of great concern. Um, The the detention of a a dual citizen, Kesney Karolina, Uh, State Department saying that they are aware of the case she is accused of um, working to assist Ukraine. Um, And, uh, you know, the State Department say that they are very concerned. They they, they urge U.S. citizens not to travel to Russia, that it's a dangerous place for U.S. citizens to be. uh, And they're urging Russia uh, to release uh, all U.S. citizens that they consider to be unjustly detained.
3: Well, Jonathan Savage, thank you for keeping us up to date on world events. Fox News radio correspondent and WJR contributor. We appreciate it.
5: Thank you. Coming
3: up.